to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have a special treat for you. If you're a student and you are looking to get a job after graduation, which is most of us, right? You're going to want to know how to interview. And I have someone who I couldn't have picked a better guest for this topic. I have the senior director, head of talent for Westgate Resorts, David Mowell. David, how are you today? I'm good. It's good seeing you guys again. I appreciate you being here. No, I appreciate you hosting us uh, in your office and being able to take some time out of your busy schedule to just talk about interviewing with the students. So before we go into the topic, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? So I, um, I've actually been with Westgate for about 16 months. I've, um, I've been in the talent acquisition game probably for about 18 years. And uh, I, I had familiarity with Westgate. I, I, I was in timeshare sales uh, for almost six years prior to getting into recruiting, and then I just ended up, you know, falling into recruiting as most people do. It's rare that you plan it out that way. And uh, I got to tell you, I enjoy Westgate. I've been able to, thankfully, build a very good team in the uh, last year and a half. I think I'm at a, about 20, 20 or 21 team members. I need to do another count, and we're still adding on, to be honest with you. So that that's kind of my background. I've I've been in TA for uh, for quite a bit, David. I talk to a lot of uh, talent acquisition managers and directors for my job, but I would tell you that out of all the talent acquisitions, um, directors or managers that I've ever spoke to, the way that you look at the business is amazing. And that is why I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. And why don't you share the little audience on how you look at the business of talent acquisition? I think, I think any time a company, uh, is interviewing, it's, it's their time where they open their doors to the general public, right? Um, that's when you start inviting people in that may or may not know of your business, know of your product, know of your service, and you've got people that are interested in the job. And I think a lot of companies, uh, and the, when it comes to utilizing their talent acquisition department correctly, the, the, it's a huge miss. It's your time to brand. It's your time to start branding. And, and the way to do that is is with your interview. And I, I always want to know what is your interview brand? And a lot of companies they never think about that. It's a very transactional process. It's very generic. Uh, it's very stale. Uh, they're all asking the same questions. They're all acting the same way. The recruiters behave the same way. They all think the same. And if you're in a competitive market, uh, that, that's, a, that's a huge uh, gap because you're missing a lot of opportunity to attract talent that maybe other companies or not. One of the things that I think uh, you do very well, and you even share with me when we talk, is that you're able to find talent on candidates that maybe other companies have passed yeah, by. Yeah, the key to the key to competing anytime. It doesn't matter if you have if if it's a if it's a flush economy and you you have a shortage of people because everybody's hiring, or if the economy is stale and you've got a, a huge influx of people. At the end of the day. One of the things that you should be geared up to do and you should be good at, your, your talent acquisition department should be proficient in, is finding talent that other companies are saying no to but they shouldn't be. 
And if you if you've looked at my LinkedIn, you've looked at my LinkedIn summary, and I, you know my biggest fear, I'm more afraid of of missing talent than I am hiring wrong. And that's something that I live by. It's something that I teach my team uh, to do. It's it's a it's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. And I get them conditioned to look for reasons to hire people. Most companies are set up, and this is not just within America. This is probably literally worldwide. They're set up to screen people out, and that's the that's the the worst approach you could potentially have. You need to think about screening in. It's not always about the resume. Rarely is it about the resume. More times than not, and people always say, yeah, it's about the person, but there's a lot of why, whys behind what I'm saying. Makes a lot of sense. So let me share with you a statistic. 85% of students graduate college without a job lined up. Yet I work in staffing, right, and where companies are paying me to find them talent, right? So there's a huge disconnect there. Why do you think that's it? <laughs> that's so funny. I, uh, so, you know, originally I came out of staffing. There are times that companies absolutely should utilize headhunters. They should utilize a staffing company. But a lot of times, and I got to be careful how I say this because I don't, I don't want to offend people, but most companies in their talent acquisition departments, they've got the wrong person in the role. The recruiters that they have really are not adequate for the job that they should be doing. So what's happening is you've got people that if they were trained, it's not just about training. If they had the right recruiter with the right training, they should be able to fill the majority of their positions. But the problem is they don't truly understand the hiring needs of their, of their different department heads. They say that they do. You know how I feel about the term partnering. You know, we want to partner with our hiring managers, which is a bunch of, you know, crap. More times than not, they've got not a clue what that actually means. They don't know the profile that they're hiring to. Um, they don't understand what questions they need to ask to make sure that they've got that profile identified. You know, typically interviewing is done. Um, it's not planned well. They think it's organic and, it, and it's just going to happen naturally. When you don't have a plan, the opposite happens. It becomes a complete train wreck for all involved. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah, and, and it's definitely true with that. You've got to put thought into the hows and whys of why you're even opening a role and what you're needing and why. And I think, for me, the recruiter should be subject matter experts that are able to come alongside the hiring manager and really help give them guidance on how to manage their workforce and how to forecast and also what they're needing more of and what they're needing less of in their department. Yeah, I mean, the way you look at it is so interesting and it makes so much sense. And that's why I was just so excited to just, again, have you on the podcast. So you started talking a little bit about interviewing. Let's dive a little deeper into your thoughts on how a proper inter interview should be conducted. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I've always felt that the, the recruiter should be the person. They should be the bridge. They should be that person that connects the hiring manager to the candidate, right? And one of the things that I try to do is, is to help candidates you know, or, or, or graduates understand the mindset of people that are sitting on my side of the table. I mean, they need to understand that <clears throat> more times than not, and this sounds horrible, so i got to be careful, more times than not, there's, n there's usually not a lot of good planning done in the hiring process. So you've got people that think they have a general idea of what they're hiring for, and so the poor candidate's coming in thinking that the person sitting across the table from them uh, has a pretty good grasp on the hows and whys of what they're doing. In reality, 
and you guys know this because you're in the staffing business and you get the luxury of talking to people behind the scenes, you know that's just not the case. You know that's not always true, right? That's true. So yeah. I think what, the, what, the, what, the, what they need to understand is more times than not, fear is the biggest driver with the recruiter, meaning they don't want to select wrong. They don't want to take somebody and have an interview and put the wrong person in front of the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. So their mindset is they want to make sure that they don't make a mistake. So they're going to basically be approaching it and trying to screen people out as opposed to screening people in. Yeah. So what the candidate needs to do, and I lovingly mean this, they need to idiot-proof it for the, for the hiring manager and for the recruiter. They need to be prepared, and it's not just about answering interview questions, but they really need to have an understanding of what they're looking for and why and how it relates to the job and the job description that they have. And they, so they need to have a lot more self-awareness than they typically do. They need to have a good understanding of what they're good at and what they're not good at and why. I always go back to the why, always. And most of your candidates come in thinking that they're just going to answer some interview questions, and if they answer the interview questions, then they should be good to go. And that's just not the case. And so you, you were saying some really interesting things right now about candidates or the students in the same thing, the candidates, because right. who yep. we're talking to, yep. right? Yep, yep understanding what their why is, understanding, being very self-aware. And so right. I talk a lot about, you know, assess, acquire, and apply when, I, when I'm talking to students. Being assessed, being the number one part of the program is self-assessment. Yeah, right? I agree. And so when it relates to interview, you talked about why it's so important for them to know. But how does a student, I guess, in your, from your perspective, <coughs> become self-aware? I think um, the number one interview question that I ask, and it doesn't matter what level the position is, but the number one question I'm going to ask is, what are the three main things that you're looking for, whether it's here with us or another company? And they need to ask themselves that question. What are the three main things you're looking for in your next job? You need to have clarity around that. Having clarity around that is going to really help you talk your way, not, not in a bad way, but talk your way through the interview. So the the three questions or the the three answers that we primarily get to that question the number one is going to be stability then typically growth follows and then it could be money it could be a myriad of things right but they need to understand so what does stability mean to them what does growth mean to them like what are they looking to get out of their next job the other thing that they need to think of is how hard do they want their next job to be are they mentally prepared to have a learning curve are they mentally prepared to take the steps that are going to be needed to, to get good at, at having a nice competency level in that role, right? And the other piece is this. When they go to the interview, they need to understand what that hiring manager and what that recruiter is actually thinking about during that process. They want to hire somebody that they're not going to hate. Think about it. Right, absolutely. True story. I mean, at the end of the day, you do hire people that you like, and, and you pray to God that they actually have the skill set to go along <laughs> with it to do the job. Because you, you meet plenty of people for sure that can do the role, but their personality is just abrasive. So, you know, they're thinking about these things. So the student needs to think about, and here's the other piece, just because they need a job doesn't mean they're going to get hired. They've got to get away from that thought process. It is not about them. Is it what the student do for the company? It's what they can do for the company. And, and here's the thing. If they're smart when they're in, when they're in the interview process, They need to look past that job description. They need to really find out what that human being who is hiring, what do they really want in the person that they're trying to bring in? 
The job description, and this is a true story, and I think you guys know this, right. more times than not, the job description is not accurate. But do you need the job description to be able to fix your resume so the keywords allow you of to get you found? Do. Yeah, and, right? you, and, you, and I know you know that. That's, an, that's a beautiful statement. That's a beautiful point. It's going to give you a good indicator on the direction that they're going, right? But here's the truth. You have the job description, right, which, which kind of represents the company needs. But then you have that hiring manager who has his needs or her needs. And I promise you, those needs are going to trump the job description all day. Uh, absolutely. So th- I think the job description will allow you to understand what is the basis, what is the minimum What's requirement for the job. 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I always tell the students when they're interviewing is ask, from the person that you hire, what are the expectations? Where would you like to see in, pr- in progression three months, six months into it? Right. right to right. try to understand what is the hiring managers? What does he consider success in the role? Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, a lot of times I'm asked, like, you know, what questions should I ask in the interview? I, I tell you what, quit asking the same generic questions that everyone else does. So what are some of those generic questions? And you then know, what are some um, new questions? You know, what, how, what do you see in this role, the person doing? Like, you know, what's the 30, 60, 90 day plan of the person? Um, you know, uh, why is the role open? Good questions. I mean, I definitely want to know why it's open. Uh, things like that. What I would be doing is asking the hiring manager, like, listen, what do you want more of and what do you want less of? The person who was in this role, did you happen to like them? Did you like their work performance? And, and whatever they say, stay curious with the question. Why? Why did you like them? Why didn't you like them? If they'll even admit that they any of this. But what is it that you want more of? Meaning, do, do, you need, do they need to be strong in a certain area? I, a lot of times a hiring manager hasn't done a great assessment of his department. And sometimes they get in a rut of hiring the same personality type. And sometimes you hire too much of that. And then, and then the department changes and it, became, it, it can become difficult, right? Sometimes you need a little bit of a balance in, when it comes to personality types. So you need to kind of find out what is the main reason that the hiring manager is going to say yes? What's the main thing that they're going to hang their hat on? What's the main reason they're going to say yes? Or what's the main reason they're going to say no? You need to know that. And then you need to be able to talk to that and, and help kind of customize your approach around what they're telling you. Okay, so let, let's do... In does, a that, sense does that even make sense? No, that, that makes okay. sense. But I think what I, what I want to be able to do is bring it down to really basic things so that the student can create a roadmap plan. I think what we jumped into it was in the middle of the interview. So let's start from the beginning of the interview. Sure. How does a student get ready sure. before he sits in front of the hiring manager or the recruiter? So there's a couple of things, uh, obviously, and this is basic, basic, basic. Look at the job description. What's in there that shows the need? Like what are some key things that stand out to you that shows what the need is? And start thinking about the whys behind what some of the terms mean, right? It, it, they always want somebody that's a go-getter. They always want somebody that's, you know, proactive. Why? They need to start thinking about why would somebody be wanting that. And they also need to think about if they didn't have that, I, I'm, I'm, I would be curious as to how would that impact that role. Like they need to start putting themselves yeah. in place of the person that's hiring for that position. I would tell you that absolutely. And I think it's a lot more easier to find these answers as a student because a lot of the roles that students are going into are level entry roles mm-hmm. that is the same roles every semester, right? right. So you're not taking over somebody. Is PepsiCo hiring 20 people in Florida sure. or sure. accounting firms hiring associates. So 
and you can go and see who graduated from your school and be able to ask people who were in that role because it's just a level of progression of how the right. company right. you know brings in new talent for sure and even but you got to think even at entry level those hiring managers are going to have some wants they're going to have some things that they want more of and less of in people do you know what i mean okay no i i, I do but as a student they might not know who the hiring manager is true right a lot true. of times it's just a process right you're just a big wheel and you're one of 200 people interviewing for 10 internship spots right. and they're just picking people who have availability that day to show up to the could interview. Could be true. Could be true. Yep. And so how do you prepare for an interview that you do not know who you're interviewing with? I think, number one, I mean, if you've got familiarity with the company and if you've got familiarity with that role, I mean, even, even with an entry-level role, they're going to have a job description. Some of you just I, – I, I still am somewhat amazed to this day, even at – with people that are at senior level roles, they don't really take the time to read the job description and think about it. They really don't think about what that need would be and how they could satisfy that need if they were to get into the role, right? Right. Because it's entry level, sometimes they think there's not going to be much of a conversation. But what they need to start thinking about, hey, that entry level role, that could be the talent pool that they start bringing people out of and they start promoting out of for other other uh, departments. That could be a feeder pool for a lot of different departments in the company. I mean, enterprises that way, everybody starts yeah. as a management training program, yeah. right? Yeah. Target is that yeah. same way. Everybody yeah. starts as an executive yeah. team leader. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 100. I think I one of the things, in going back to your question, is, listen, every company wants a lot of the same things in their, in their, in their new hires. They want somebody that's professionally mature. That means mm -hmm. somebody that can really handle pressure, that can contain their emotions, that is smart. They want somebody that's proactive. They want somebody that's got some emotional intelligence. I don't think that's looked at enough because when you're dealing with other human beings at different levels, depending if they're customers or if they're within your company, you've got to have the emotional intelligence to be smart and, and, and read people and understand there's a cause and effect to your behavior, to your actions, to what you say or what you don't say. Companies want people that have that, especially if you're interfacing with customers, right? The other piece is they want somebody that's going to be on time, that's reliable. Uh, you know, candidates want stability in their job. Guess what hiring managers want? Stability. They want stability. And if I get if I get a new hire that can't show up on time or that's a little flaky and loose with their mouth or their emotions, that, that creates an instability. You want to shy away from that, especially if you're having to manage a team of people. You want some sanity. Yeah. Your hiring manager wants to enjoy work. They want to have a... They want to have a smile on their face when they walk in. They don't want to dread who they're getting ready to see. They're human like everybody else. Yeah. You, you made some really great points there. One of the things when, that I've run into a lot when companies are looking to hire college students is that they're hiring for potential. Right? 100%. So how does a student show that they have potential? Well, number one, I think when – and you said it earlier, to be honest with you. When they take the time prior to the interview to do a self-assessment – they're naturally going to be able to talk to their strengths and weaknesses very well. And I hate that interview question. To me, it's a poor question. What are your strengths and weaknesses? There's better questions. But they definitely need to understand what that, you know, how, how that applies to them. Knowing what you're good at and why goes a very long way with a hiring manager. If you know what you're good at and why, it tells me you've got some self-awareness. If you're able to walk me through the areas that you want to get better with, that you want to get stronger in, again, it goes back to self-awareness. If you've ever tried to manage somebody that lacks self-awareness, it is a flipping nightmare. And I've recently dealt with that here. 
I, I mean, I'm not ever, you know, obviously I won't name names, but I'm telling you right now, people that don't have self-awareness, it just is a total disruption. It's, it, it will suck the life out of you. So if that question comes out, right, because you got to think about it. Students are going to get asked that question, right? You might not ask that, right, but, but it's going to sure, get it's asked. Coming. It's how, coming. How do you, it's coming. How, what is the best way to answer that question or what are your best strengths and weaknesses? Well, I, you know, one of the things, it's, it's, you can be really honest. I mean, you can Google, but trust me, everybody knows the Google answers. So you really need to think about you as an individual. What are you good at? Like literally, what are you good at? You know what? I'm good at working with different types of people. Um, and, and you can talk about why, where you learn that from. Is it something that you're just naturally born with? Or is it something that you learned through progressing through college because you had different, different peer groups that you were teamed up with? Did you have different professors that you had to deal with? Because listen, I mean this kindly, but some of the professors can be a little nutty sometimes, right? It, and some of the students, they can be a little nutty too. So maybe you cut your teeth on in, in those environments with working with a diverse uh, group of personality types. Maybe you're just good at taking control of things. You tend to be proactive. It could have been how your parents raised you. It could just be in your DNA. Maybe you just have critical thinking, like you're able to just kind of see holistically what the cause and effect is going to be on, with certain things, with, with your behavior. You're, you're self-aware with that. You're aware of uh, that you're a little bit more direct. Like, I'm a very direct guy. Like, you guys have experienced this, you know? You know this. I'm aware of that. So I know when I need to dial it back. I know when I need to dial it up, right? When it comes to being new in, in the workforce, when it talks about weaknesses, that's an honest statement. I'm new in the workforce. I've been around a lot of people. I'm good with them. But I promise you there's probably some people out there that I'm going to encounter in this job that I might have to learn to deal with that I haven't learned to deal with before. So I'm probably going to have some gaps there. That's not a scary statement. That's not an unfair statement. So how honest should you really be? Well, here's the thing. Hopefully you got a smart hiring manager, you know. I, I think um, at the same time, like, if there's something crazy about your personality that you typically can keep contained, don't bring it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> just do yourself a favor and just leave that aside. Just pray you keep that, you know, contained and hidden and no one else discovers that. But in general, be smart. You know where your, your weaknesses are. Like, one of the things I ask is, you know, listen, if we're, if, if we're together five days a week, eight hours a day, what am I going to like about you? And what am I going to need to get used to? That's one of my favorite questions to ask. And I didn't ask, what am I going to not like about you? I asked, what am I going to need to get used to? Ask yourself that question and then be able to talk to that. They may not ask you that question, but that strength and weaknesses... The question that kind of plays into that. Yeah. So again, it goes back to your point. It's self-assessment. Assess yourself that way. All right. That, that was awesome. Uh, so let's talk about situation questions because that's also going to come up. Oh, I, I know you don't like them. <laughs> I, I, no, but, right, but you're right. You're right. But it's they're going to come that's up. That's fair. That's fair. So, that's fair. Yep, yep, yep. So here's the beautiful thing. So what, he, what, what you're referring to is the behavioral-based question. Tell me about a time. Well, the beautiful thing is in this question, in those questions, the answer is actually embedded in the question. So tell me about a time that you had to overcome, what, what's a normal one that you guys hear? A, a working with a difficult uh, co-worker or, or, or team, or, or yeah, somebody working teammate. in a group, right? You right. worked in a group and you had to work with someone right. that was hard to deal with. So you got to think, it's going back to the job description, right? They're going to ask you behavioral-based behavioral questions. 
you got to think, if it's a customer interfacing position, common sense. Customers are nuts. How do I know? Because we're all customers, right? I'm a pretty level-headed dude, but I'm, I'm like anybody else. If I get bad service or I get frustrated with my bank or my cell service or whatever, you can kind of become unhinged. Let's be honest with each other. So they're probably going to want to know when you've been able to interact with a person like that. Here's the deal. You may not have had that experience, but somewhere in your life you've had a difficult person that you've had to work with, that you've had to find commonality with. Think about it. Just think about it. It's there, right? You, you've definitely been around difficult people. I, I would encourage people, you know, I'd, I would encourage you guys to make sure that it's more work-related with your answer. It's not about, you know, family members, unless it's a really cool story and you got that crazy person in your family that it, it just makes a good story. And maybe if it's good enough, it'll count for that, for that uh, interview. But generally, you really do want to have more of a work-related answer, right? No, absolutely. One of the things that I is always taught by career services is the STAR method of interviewing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah Have you yeah. heard of the STAR I method? I'm not a fan, but yes, I have. So tell us uh, why you're not a fan then. Because it's generic. Everyone uses it. It's old school. Yeah. Come on. We're in 2018. But having said that, and I appreciate that you brought that up, and I don't mean to insult anybody in the room or anyone that's listening, but, yeah, I mean, it, there, it, it gives a little bit of structure, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't de- dig into the whys behind it. See, he, here's the truth. I'm more interested in why you chose A to do A than B or C or D. Like, I care about the whys because at the end of the day, the interview, I want to know what you did, how you did it. But the most, most importantly, I want to know why. I want to know why you chose A versus B. Why did you chose, choose to go down this path versus this path? And the reason I'm so dialed into that is because it allows me to see what your belief system is. It allows me to see how you think. If I can, if I can capture what your belief system is, I got a good chance of predicting future behavior. And I'm not a fan of, listen, past behavior does not predict future performance. Get away from that garbage. That is so not true. Why do you think that? Because that is a, I've always believe that nope. the best indicator of future performance is past performance. Absolutely not. That's the furthest thing from the truth, and you know better. I'll tell you why. Tell Let me ask you this. So in college, did you have, as you were progressing through school, what type of teacher did your parents want you to have? Did they want you to have a teacher that was going to teach you, that was going to educate you? Did they want, to, they want you to have a teacher that's going to see your, your, your potential? So here, here, here's where I'm going. I was an idiot in school. I literally barely graduated high school. That's no joke. It's just the truth. I got, I got suspended in 10th grade. I got asked to leave in 11th grade. I ended up going to public school because of that because there was no other options. I was just in public school. So listen <laughs> to me. So listen to me. I was in private most of my life. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was so bad my senior year because I had failed typing that my teacher, my typing teacher came to me and said, listen, if you're not going to walk, I'll, I'll give you that extra. I'll, I'll move your D to a C so you can go. Here's the truth, though. I don't want to be judged back on that because I'm not that same person. Do you think you're a little biased because your past does not reflect your future? No, because I've been in this game long enough to where I've hired, I've hired employees that struggled in the beginning and they turned into rock stars. But that's because that's, you're an expert at doing that. You're an expert at finding people that other people oversaw. No, no, I know what you're saying. But here's the thing. Think of it this way. In our school system, you want your teachers to see your potential true. Should you be judged how you behaved in third and fourth grade when you're in junior high? Nope. Not completely. But okay, but that's what happens when you, when you hold to that methodology. That's what's actually occurring. There's some beautiful articles out there 
around why this is just completely erroneous. You, you, you would not, as a parent, put up with teachers that judge you when, you, when you're in seventh grade or, or high school, when they're judging on how you acted or behaved in middle school. That's nuts. Why would you do that as an employer? Now, what I'm not saying is, if you've got the same issue in every stinking job, ah, there's a pattern. We got an issue. Fair? Fair, fair. Because okay. that's really yeah. what they're addressing. Right. I guess the way I look at it is, if I'm trying to go into a job out of college that, sh- that you need leadership, that I'm going to be managing people, mm-hmm. then the best way for a student to be is to go gain some leadership skills to show the employers they've already started building those capabilities. Mm-hmm. So the past is a good correlator of the future. Well, you're talking about now, but you're, you're conflating two things. Like when you're talking about going to get leadership skills, if here's the thing. So when you go to get them, you don't have any, correct? So if I'm that hiring manager and you have none, I, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the chance. But if I hold on to like your past performance, well, you've never been a leader, so I'm definitely not, not going to give you a chance now. Like, do you see where I'm going with that? No, I, like, I understand it. So, and, and it makes sense why you say what you're saying, but it's wrong. So what I'm saying is just because somebody starts off a certain way doesn't mean they're going to end up that way, Right. Right, absolutely. So that's that's us being a little too safe for me. And you're right. I definitely think differently. You got that. You got that right. But I don't think I don't think it's a very um, smart thing to do because you're going to miss talent that you shouldn't be. Sometimes people start off rocky because here's the truth: How do you know that their performance wasn't because they were in a hostile? really aggressive, not a great work environment? Because I've lived that. No, I don't. Yeah. How, how do you know that a lot of their behavior and thought process and attitude didn't stem around having really poor leadership? I have literally watched people move from one leader to another that they thought they were just horrible and there was, there was no salvaging in them. They get under a good leader and they are top performer all day. Yep. But if we'd held to that belief, past performance, you know, past behavior is going to predict future performance, that never would have happened. No, I, in that sense, I completely Does agree. Does that make sense? No, yeah. I think we were, lo- we were looking at it a little different. A little different, differently, but, but I get what you're saying. I agree with you. Um, I guess my next question for you is all about students interviewing mm. the companies, right? So yeah. it shouldn't be a one-way interview. Oh what are your goodness. thoughts on that? Okay, very smart of you to say that. Very smart of you to th- say that. And that is probably the biggest problem in the interview. It is a two-way street. It is a two-way street. They have got to be good about going in. And listen, it's, I always tell people this at the end of the interview. You got questions? Ask them. Don't ask me questions just because somebody told you that's a smart thing to do. Ask me questions that make sense to you. Don't waste your time and mine. But ask questions that make sense because here's the truth. You know for sure because you you're in the business. Companies embellish and oversell the position. Companies will tell you that you've got all this potential to earn this, this, and this, and it's not true. You drink the Kool-Aid. We oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. They, because they need positions filled, so they're going to try to make it sound like whatever. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure, they need to make sure that they're asking smart questions. Why is the position open? What does the churn look like? Um, what, are, what is the hiring manager uh, like to work with? What, what are they good at? Um, what makes them difficult to work with sometimes? I mean, there's a better way to phrase it, but at the end of the day, I want to know what makes them tick because I may not want to work with them. And they need to ask those questions. Fair? Fair. Okay. So 
one of my favorite questions to um, encourage students to ask, and I might be telling them wrong. No, now, so this is, go no, ahead. No, no, go. Is, You're smart. As the last question, when they say, if you have any more questions, I suggest they ask a closing question. Mm. So something along the line, is there any particular reason why you think I might not be a good fit for the role? You can ask that. That's not a bad thing. Uh, it's a smart thing, actually, because a lot of times what I chastise the hiring managers on, how many times have you seen this? Candidate leaves, you do the hour and interview, candidate leaves, door closes, candidate's gone, and everyone starts discussing. And then it's like, you know, I'm just not really sure that um, they've really got that attention to detail. You know, or I just really feel like they're, they're um, not telling the truth on whatever the question was. And they go around and around, and I'm like, um, the what? time to ask that would have been when the candidate's there. Why are we talking about this now? Yeah. So a lot of times... What I'll do in the interview, I'm like, all right, so let's pretend the can- and the candidate's still there. I'll look at the hiring manager and say, all right, let's pretend they left. What are your concerns? And then it gives the candidate an opportunity to address them, right? Right, and that's my that's the reason why I have and that that's question. That's why you should ask that. So I agree. There's different ways of asking yeah. it, but it's a good question to ask. I ask that, so I, I always put it in that perspective, right? If there was a reason why they weren't going to get the job, let's say it's leadership. Right. And, and the hiring manager says, I am not sure that you have enough leadership position that is required for this position, right? That gives the candidate one opportunity to overcome that objection. Right. And so that's why I suggest asking that question. I, I'm not scared. I, I think it's a good question. I like it. We agree on something. We do. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm but I, 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 I would probably phrase it a little bit differently. Um, but if you know, I, I mean, there's so many ways to ask it. But at the end of the day, what you're driving at is smart, and I like that because you're absolutely correct, and you have seen it for sure. That candidate leaves, everyone starts discussing things, and it's like, why didn't you ask that when they were there? You just lost the opportunity. It allows you to walk away with some sort of feedback because, to yeah, be our does. reality, a lot of companies don't get give feedback, or they'll just get an right. email and say, "We've decided to go on with another candidate." Right. So you leave the interview, you know, either, "Hey, I, you know, I feel confident," or you know what. I already have already been told that I'm not qualified for the role right. or whatever it may right. be, right? Right. Uh, and so I encourage that specifically if you're going after a sales job, you have to close because if you can't close in the interview, yeah, they look for that. They look for you, that. How can you nah, not nah, close? Nah, nah, it? Nah. How can you not close? It? How are you going to close the customer? Yeah. How are you going to close the, the prospect? Yep. Yeah, I, I got you. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. I agree with you. David, is there any question or any topic re- regarding interviews? And I say interviews because we, I know that we can do a podcast for six hours. We could. Um, that m- maybe we haven't touched on that we would like to touch on before we end it. I think um, I, I mean, some comments and stuff because, you know, when you and I were talking earlier and, and you know, some of the questions that you had sent me that, that you get asked that students bring up. Uh, one of the main things that I absolutely want to make sure they understand is their LinkedIn profile is more important than their resume. Their resume needs to reflect the LinkedIn profile, but for sure, that LinkedIn profile is the first thing that they do. And do employers check social media? Yeah, they do. Do employers look at your Facebook? Yeah, they do. Legitimately clean it up if you need to. Be smart with it. Because we will assume so many things. Personally, I, I like some of the crazy, but I'm, I'm not like most. So I don't get too nervous. But a lot of people, depending on the, on the company and the corporation, they can get a little scared if they see some Facebook stuff that's, you know, a, a little edgy, right? No, I, I agree with you. And I want to dive into a little bit more on the LinkedIn aspect of you it. Can. Uh, just because it's not just about having 
a LinkedIn and just making sure that you post for your leadership. Oh, for sure. I think it's about using LinkedIn strategically. Yeah, there's a guy named William Maruda, and his last name is A R R U D A. And you want to what you want to Google is how to write how to how to write the perfect LinkedIn summary by William Maruda. Um, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, I'm not trying to drive people to do it, but well, I'm actually going to put his LinkedIn link on the show notes. <laughs> okay, okay. I followed William, Williams like a brand, like a, a personal brand manager. Like he he has some really good content out on YouTube. He's got some good books. He has a beautiful formula on what you should be doing with your LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a lot more robust than people realize, and there's a lot of ways to use LinkedIn to make you more searchable and appealing. And, it, and also, LinkedIn can really allow your flavor as a person to come out. And so, I, and it takes a little bit of time. It's not super time consuming, but you got to sit down and you got to think through some things. But here's the cool thing. If you do it his way, by the time you get done writing everything else, you're going to be able to talk about yourself. You're going to be able to talk about yourself in detail. And you're probably going to get questions from the hiring manager, from the recruiter, whoever you're talking to, from your LinkedIn profile, because it should be pretty interesting and engaging and it should be robust and it should let them know about you. All your resume is going to do is just kind of help build out the, the, the actual, you know, the work, you know, your, your employment. You know what no, I mean? I agree. And I, I'll be honest with you. The reason why we got connected was because I read oh, your LinkedIn. You did. Right? Yeah, you did. And I, it, about that. I was like, David, your LinkedIn. And specifically because I am searching for town acquisition managers pretty much mm-hmm. at least two hours a mm-hmm. day. I'm and sure I read their profiles. Right? <laughs> right. And to have read yours was wow. Because I knew what you were about. And yep, it, yep. It's like I had already met him before I met him. Yeah, and that's what you want to do. And and I'm telling you, William Aruda has just a beautiful methodology. And I think everybody should read his stuff and, and follow suit. I do. David, anything else? Nah, man. I hope I didn't offend anybody. No, a little, you, a little bit on me, but I just learned. You'll be, no, all, right. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. David, I do got one more last question, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So we've talked now for about 35 minutes, and you have shared so much content. And before I ask you this last question, I want to in publicly thank you so much for just the knowledge that you have shared, not just in this meeting, but the other times that we've met before we recorded this podcast. Um, He has helped me look at the way talent acquisition should be at a whole other level and really has opened my horizons and even read a couple of books because of his recommendations. So... Uh, thank you so much. I'm very glad to have met you. I appreciate it um, very much. And so now you're here as I'm public is recorded forever. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did good. I you, didn't say anything bad. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Not at all. But my last question to you, right? We've gone over 35 minutes of worth of amazing content. But if a student can only remember one thing from this podcast, what do you want them to take away? What are the three main things that they're really looking for in their next job? Make sure that employer actually can meet those. Be very self-aware. Do that self-assessment that you brought up. Know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, and be honest about it. It's not about saying the magical formula to get the job. You've got to have a good conversation, but knowing who you are and who you're not and also knowing what you want to become, it's paramount. You'll get a lot of respect in that interview if you walk in knowing those things. And you get the right job. 100%. Right. Yep. David, a pleasure. Thank you so much, my friend. And everybody else, see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you from 
the bottom of my heart from taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to this episode. I truly hope that you loved it as much as I enjoyed making and creating this content for you. My goal is to provide content that's going to help you master college and land your dream job. So if this helped you and if you know someone that should listen to this podcast, please, please share it with them. Nothing will make me happier than to see this podcast grow and make this community bigger so that we can help every student be able to graduate with their dream job. And I hope to see you guys in the next episode.